You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. joining us. Wow, we have a huge turnout. I wasn't sure like if people stayed up too late last night and decided they would watch from home in bed. Uh, so maybe some of you are at home in bed and made the better of the choices. I don't know. Uh, we'll see uh, how this service goes. Uh, but like Julia said, my name is David. If I haven't met you before, I attend Reality Honolulu. That's about it. Um, kind of filling in for Pastor Riz. Uh, Pastor Riz and his family have been on the mainland for the past few weeks visiting family. It's kind of been the first time since they planted the church five years ago or six years ago that they've been able to go back. So it's a privilege just to be able to kind of fill in for him so he can be with family. I know he was teaching today at uh, Reality Carp is what you guys call it, Carpinteria. Uh, So um, yeah, so looking forward to having him back. I'm guessing next week that's what he's doing because I'm not scheduled to be talking next Sunday. So he'll be back with us. Uh, so this, this morning, I want to kind of talk just a, a minute about what we're doing because it's, it's going to be a little bit unique if you can't tell. There's lunch has been provided. No, uh, at each of your tables, there's a little tray of things that we're going to be uh, talking about and interacting with uh, this morning. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit different. This is also a family service, so there's no kids' church or uh, youth. If you're not at like a table that has one of those, there are like one, two, if you want to, if you're brave and like want to come up front with, with Manny. Uh, if not, you can borrow some lettuce from somebody else's table. Uh, and uh, this, sermon, this service is kind of like a one-off service. I think uh, Riz will kind of be introducing us to a new series uh, next Sunday or in the uh, few Sundays uh, coming up. And really the, the, the theme for this morning is remembrance. It's about remembering and uh, I got this idea from Pastor Riz, uh, actually, as we were, uh, my wife and I were talking with him about these last few weeks. He's like, yeah, sometimes during uh, the New Year's, I, I, I take time to talk about remembering and the importance of remembering. And I was like, that's a great idea. And immediately I had this idea to do some, some interaction. Uh, so we're going to kind of run with that. And I think it's really important for us, as we think about this new year, right, it's, it's day one of 2023, Ten- we tend to just think future, we tend to think of, what are all the things I'm going to be doing this year? Uh, maybe new things, maybe trying to fix some things that didn't work so well in the past, but it's all about the future. Um, new Year's resolutions. Uh, my wife and I, for the first time uh, during our Christmas break, we did like a, a little like vision board. Uh, I just got this idea from some YouTuber, and I was like, we should do that. I'm not a very future-oriented person, but my wife likes that, and so uh, we did some of that. So again, it's all thinking about the future, but, um, and those things are good, right? Those things are good. If you're not thinking about the future and planning for the future, uh, you might want to do that. Um, it, it tends to help uh, your life out a little bit. But the past, if you, you probably know this, but the past actually determines your future, Right? Your past is, is kind of like this anchoring point that kind of determines your, your trajectory in life or some of those habits that you want to develop. And the past is actually really significant uh, in, in the life of a, a person, but especially in the life of somebody who is following Jesus. And that's what we're going to be looking at uh, this morning. And, and, and the Bible actually talks a lot about this, specifically the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, the fifth book in the Bible, uh, Deuteronomy, is written 
at, right before the people of Israel are about to enter into the promised land. So they're looking forward to this new thing that they're about to inherit, right? Forty years prior, God had delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt. And unfortunately, they didn't listen very well and they had to wander in the wilderness for about 40 years. Forty years later, they're, they're literally overlooking the promised land, about to inherit this new thing. And there's a common theme in Deuteronomy, one of many, but remembrance is a common word that you can find. Uh, I counted about 13, 14, 15 times, this word remember. There's even more times where, where Moses will warn the people, like, do not forget. And in particular, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, 15, here's just one example for you. This is Moses writing to the people, again, about to enter into the land. And what does he say? He says, you shall remember a command. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Remember who you were. Remember what God did for you because your past should affect your future. So Moses says, you were what? This is who you were. You were once a slave, but you're no longer a slave. Because what? Because God redeemed you from that place. And you no longer are a slave, but you're a, a free person. But within that, you have a purpose. So once you enter into the promised land, things are going to be really good. And Moses in, in chapter 8 is going to warn them, do not forget because you're going to live in a time where it's going to be good, and then eventually you're going to be like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so good, I kind of forgot what God did to us. And Moses says, it's going to be disaster. It's going to ultimately lead to your death. And if you know the story, uh, it does. The whole story from Deuteronomy, pretty much uh, right past Joshua, till you get to Jesus, is essentially a theological record of failure. And one of the main reasons why that is, is because they forgot what God did for them. They forgot who they now are and who God was to them. And this is why we also, too, as a community that follows Jesus, need to remind ourselves of who we are and what God has done for us in the person of Jesus. Otherwise, we may end up like the nation of Israel if we're not careful. Remembering was so important to the life of uh, ancient Israel uh, that they had three major feasts dedicated each year to taking about seven days to remember. This is kind of like Christmas. I think this is probably the closest thing where we take uh, a great deal of time and really remember. Um, and a few of these, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is called the Passover, and we're going to be talking about that this morning. The Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, and then the Feast of Booze. Those are the three main feasts that every year, for a week, the people would stop what they were doing to remember. To remember and to celebrate what God had done for them. To ground themselves, to anchor themselves in the truth and the reality of who they were, were as the redeemed people of God. And this morning, but we're, we're going to celebrate and talk a little bit about the Passover, but we're not going to be doing this thinking about the exodus from Egypt. In Luke chapter 22, verse 19, in the, in the Last Supper, when Jesus celebrates this right before he's about to die, he says, do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to, in a way, recreate that scene there's no lamb, unfortunately. Derek didn't have time to cook for us. 
And we're going to do this in remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross, because that for us as a community that follows Jesus is the most significant event in history, and that should change everything about who we are and what we hope to do and accomplish this year. I will tell you, if you've been to like a modern uh, Seder dinner, this is not that. This is a kind of stripped down, simplified uh, version of what it might have looked like, again, minus a lot of food. Uh, (laughs) You're not going to be full if you're hungry from eating some crackers and lettuce. Um, And actually, I first saw this, so I want to give credit where credit's due. I actually first saw uh, Tim Mackey, who's my favorite Bible teacher when he was a pastor at Door of Hope. He did this with his church, and I don't come from a very, like, liturgical background, um, and something about this and the visual really stood out to me, and I've started to do this uh, a few different times a year as I, as I travel and teach in different Bible schools, and it's just really been a profound thing for me, and so I kind of wanted to share that with you, but most of this is based off of that teaching as well as some other material that I found here and there. It does require your participation, so when I say participate, you guys are going to be, uh, uh, we're all kids this morning, so uh, are you guys ready to get started? All right, let's, let's go. This, uh, this is kind of a recreation of what it would have looked like using the Gospel of Matthew and Luke together, because Luke and Matthew both talk about this night, but they kind of have different uh, elements here and there, and some of them include things that others don't. And so this is kind of pieced together to kind of give you an idea of what it would have looked like for Jesus to sit down with his disciples right before he was about to die. And this happened on the night of Passover, right? So the, all of Israel is celebrating Passover, This is a significant event in Israel's history. In a way, this is like their July 4th. And we're going to start off in Luke chapter 22, verse 7 through 13, and it says this, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, speaking of Jerusalem, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. So this is the disciples uh, preparing this meal. It's kind of a fun story. He's like, go find this person, and he's going to show you where exactly we're going to have this. Uh, it's kind of an interesting way to begin. And the actual exact time of this meal is a little bit uh, debated, and it doesn't really matter that much. But most likely, Jesus is eating this meal with his disciples at the very beginning of the day, which in a Jewish calendar uh, and ours— is, well, theirs begins at sunset, ours begins at midnight. So probably 2, 3, 4 a.m., they're celebrating this on Passover. And uh, this entailed a lot of different things, and some of the elements are here. Uh, specifically, uh, they would uh, have a lamb that they would also eat, and we're going to talk about that. And what's interesting is, is Tim Mackey really helped me think about this. He, he said that, in all, if you combine all the Gospels together, it's about one page or less where Jesus talks about why he's going to die. He talks a lot about that he is going to die, and he tries to prepare the disciples to know that, hey, when we get to Jerusalem, 
this is going to happen, so they're not completely caught off guard, even though they are. Uh, I think all of us would be too. But he doesn't really explain why he's going to die. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he'll say something like this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. But that's about all you'll find. And you wonder, why did Jesus not explain why he was going to die? And I love how Tim Mackey puts this. He says, instead of giving his disciples a theology lecture, like, hey, I'm going to stand up here and lecture you for about two hours, he gave them a meal. And he takes something that they had celebrated for a thousand years that was so full of meaning and significance and imagery, and he says, hey, let me explain what's going to happen and what it actually means and you're going to now do this in remembrance of me, right? Take, uh, this is my body that's broken for you. This is my blood that is shed for you. And the meaning that it had for the, the nation of Israel is now repurposed. And it's come, it will come to its fullness and its fruition in what Jesus is about to accomplish on the cross. And so hopefully for you, if you've ever wondered, man, what, like, what was Jesus all about? And why did he die? And what did all that mean? This meal helps show us and teach us exactly the purpose that Jesus had. In Luke chapter 22, verse 15 and 16, it says, Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And like I said, he's going to redefine it and say, Now you're going to do this. Every year, you're going to do this. But you're going to do this now in remembrance of me. Now, why the Passover? Why did, why did Israel celebrate the Passover? Uh, rabbi Gamaliel, who was the, the rabbi of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, says this, that in every generation, a person must regard himself or herself as though they had personally gone out of Egypt. So this is the purpose. It's to, it's to reenact that moment because a thousand years removed, you're like, well, that was what happened to my ancestors and my father's father, right? But that has nothing to do with me. And it's like, no, every single year you celebrate this because it's as if you personally were one of those people that witnessed what God did in bringing you out of slavery in Egypt into newness of life. And he says this, therefore, it is our duty to thank, praise, laud, glorify, exalt, honor, bless, extol, and adore all the words him who performed all these miracles for our ancestors and for us. He brought us forth from bondage into freedom, from sorrow into joy, from mourning into festivity, from darkness into great light, and from servitude into redemption. Therefore, let us say before him, hallelujah. So the Passover was being celebrated every single year to remember what God had done for his people. Again, they were slaves in Egypt. And he acted on their behalf in redeeming them out of that place and bringing them into the promised land as his redeemed people. And if you remember the story, have you ever seen Prince of Egypt? It's a great, it's a great movie. It, it kind of uh, recreates uh, in an animated version uh, this story. Uh, you probably are familiar with uh, the plagues that God sent on Egypt. And it was kind of like the last final plague, this angel of death that really is the purpose and the imagery of uh, this Passover, right? Because God told Moses and the Israelites, it says, hey, 
the final plague is going to be that there's an angel of death that's going to come over the land of Egypt. And unless you have the blood of the lamb covering your entrance, you're not going to be able to avoid this death. Doesn't matter if you were an Egyptian, doesn't matter if you were an Israelite. So the only way you could avoid the judgment that was coming, which was death, was through the blood of an innocent slain lamb. And that's essentially, again, that moment is what they're going to be celebrating. And of course, if you're familiar with Jesus and uh, the story, uh, you know automatically you're making those connections in your mind. Slain uh, lamb's blood and the blood, and Jesus is talked about, um, you know, as the lamb of God and all those kind of things, which is intentional by the authors of the Gospels. And so the meal is divided into four parts. So the ancient Passover meal was divided into four parts, uh, and it's, it's centered around four cups. So if you've ever had communion, uh, Martin prepares communion, it's that little plastic cup. If you were uh, celebrating this in an ancient Jewish household, you would have four cups uh, and it wouldn't be grape juice. It'd be the good stuff. And so you're having fun after the third or fourth cup, right? And so uh, what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to get out the cups, and I want you to pour just a tiny little bit, because we've got to make this last four cups of juice, and everybody needs to have a little bit of juice before we move on to the blessing of the cup. And so do that really quickly without making a complete mess. At least try not to. I got you the good stuff, the cran grape. So again, this is the, the start of the meal started off with the, the first cup. So the first cup. So once you have the cup before you, uh, we're going to just, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pray this prayer, which is the blessing of the first cup. And I think it should be up here on the screen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And you can, you can drink the cup now after, after the blessing. After the first cup is poured and drank, there would be the first dipping. And that's some of the elements in front of you. The first dipping. And this is usually some sort of green vegetable. Uh, I have lettuce for us. Uh, and it's going to be, we're going to dip it in the salt water mixture. So that little tray that's in the front, that's salt water. And don't, before you do it, I want to explain what, what's happening here. Because why in the world are we doing this? That should be a question that you should be asking yourself. And uh, what most people think this, this was meaning and symbolizing was, was around the betrayal of Joseph by his brothers. Because essentially, this is how the people of Israel ended, ended up in Egypt to begin with, was by a betrayal. We know the story, uh, Joseph was favored by his father. Don't do that. Don't favor one child over the other. It doesn't end well. There's plenty of stories in the Bible about that. And because of their jealousy, the brother's jealousy, they actually uh, sold him into slavery. And in order to cover up the betrayal is they took this coat that he was given and they killed the lamb and they covered it with blood and they told their dad, hey, look, uh, Joseph was killed by a wild animal. And again, this is, where, this is how the people ended up in Egypt to begin with because Joseph is sold into slavery into Egypt and eventually the family will end up there as well. And so 
take a piece of lettuce and dip it into uh, the salt water mixture and you can eat that. And the salt water mixture is supposed to taste a little bit like blood. It's supposed to taste or remind you of like you, if you bit your lip, you would, you know, we've all tasted that and we don't want to admit it, but yeah, we know what it tastes like. And this is kind of representing this betrayal in which our story starts off with. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 20 through 23, it says this, When it was evening, he, Jesus, reclined at table with the twelve, and they were eating. He said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to one another, Is it I, Lord? And he answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish will betray me. So you can imagine the scene. They're literally dipping their hand, thinking about this betrayal, and Jesus says, There's going to be another betrayal. I mean, come on now. Jesus knew what he was doing, right? And at this point, that's kind of like the preliminaries of the meal. At this point, uh, they would begin kind of the, lit- the liturgy of the Passover. This is where like, kind of like the formal ceremony begins. And it would begin with uh, this reciting of this story. And the purpose of this is that the meal is different than normal meals. And the youngest kid, the youngest child, would begin to ask questions like you probably did when you entered and saw this bizarre thing in front of you. You're like, what are we doing? It's all part of, of it. So what we're going to do is we're all together going to be the youngest child, and we're just going to read all these questions together, and it's going to be a little bit chaotic, but it's going to be fun. All right, you ready? Because then I'm going to answer your questions. All right, are you ready? Okay, let's go. On all other nights, we eat either bread or matzah. On this night, why only matzah? On all other nights, we eat herbs or vegetables of any kind. On this night, why bitter herbs? On all other nights, we do not dip even once. On this night, why do we dip twice? On all other nights, we eat our meals in any manner. On this night, why do we sit around the table together in a reclining position? Well, thanks for asking, right? Let me, let me tell you why we do this. And the, the dad would say, Okay, let me now explain the story. And traditionally, they would begin with Israel's shame and end in their glory. Traditionally, they would read from several chapters in Exodus, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to read from a few verses in Deuteronomy. But the father would always start this way. A wandering Aramean was my father, speaking of some of the patriarchs. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. And there he became a great, mighty, and populous nation. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord God brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders." And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground with which you, O Lord, had given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. And after uh, describing and explaining the story, they would sing from a section of the psalm, Psalms 113 through 118. And we're not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. 
That's why Caleb was up here. He's the singer, not me. Um, but we're just going to recite it. We're just going to recite a section from Psalm 113. So uh, it'll be pretty obvious. I'll be the leader and everyone will be the all. Praise the Lord. From the rising of the sun to its setting. The Lord is high above all nations. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high? All right, so this leads us into the second cup. And so if you don't have any juice in there, pour a little bit more juice. And most likely, this is uh, what we see in the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. And it says this, And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it amongst yourself, for I tell you that from now on, I will not a a drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then again, uh, another blessing is pronounced. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And you can uh, go ahead and drink uh, the second cup. And at this point, the main meal would be placed on the table. And again, Rabbi Gamaliel said this, whoever does not mention these three things on Passover does not discharge his duty. So you have to have these three things. You have to have the bitter herbs, which we haven't gotten to yet, because the Egyptians embittered the lives of our ancestors in Egypt. You have to have unleavened bread, which we have saltine crackers, because our ancestors were redeemed from Egypt. And then the third thing is the Passover lamb, because God passed over the houses of the ancestors of Egypt. It's kind of interesting because, at least according to the gospel writers, they do not include anything about a lamb. There's no mention of some lamb, and we know that that was an integral part of the meal. Maybe they didn't have time to prepare it, or maybe Jesus was doing something interesting there where the disciples would ask him, where's the lamb? And he would also say, thanks for asking, let me tell you. But we don't have any mention of that in the Gospels, but it's, it's interesting that there's no lamb that's a part of this Last Supper. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 8, it says this about this moment. He says, They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. So every year when this, the Israelites would celebrate this, they would have those three things. And this brings us to the second dipping. The second dipping. Now, I will warn you, it's horseradish. So if you're like, just take a tiny little bit. Don't like choke. Or if, there, if you have a kid with you and you're like, don't eat horseradish because it's disgusting. Just be cautious. I don't want anybody to, you know, I don't know. So the second dipping would usually be some sort, again, of green vegetable. We got some lettuce here. Normally parsley or celery that is dipped into the bitter herb mixture. And the point of this is it's supposed to cause the person to cry. So remember that. To remember ancient Israel crying out to God 
because of their harsh conditions in Egypt. So this is recreating this moment. So in Exodus chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says this, So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service. In mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field, in all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So this is reminding them of how terrible life was when we were slaves in Egypt. It was bitter. Our lives were bitter because of the oppression of slavery, right? And so you can take that and you can dip it however much you want. If you want to be brave, dip it in the— does anybody have it? And then you can go ahead and eat it. There's no, there's no blessing on this. <laughs> so try not to choke or anything like that. If you don't feel uh, like you want to cry or something like that, you need to have some more. So <laughs> you don't have to. But that's the imagery, right? You're recreating that experience through what you're eating. After uh, the second dipping would come the, the, the bread. So this is the, this is the unleavened bread. And uh, before they would eat the bread, they would pray a blessing on the bread, and then they would distribute it. And this is the blessing. It sounds almost like our cup. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And in Exodus chapter 12, verse 39, it says this, And they baked unleavened cakes of dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, Jesus says this, it says, And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, And he said to them, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So you can take a little bit of that and you can eat it. Again, in remembrance of the broken body of Christ. And again, you can imagine the disciples. It's like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, this is my body, right? Like, it it would get really weird. But just hours in the future, they're going to see Jesus who is betrayed by Judas and hung on a cross, and his body is going to be broken. And immediately they're like, that bread, wait a minute. This is helping give meaning to what Jesus is accomplishing on the cross. Now, I mentioned this before, obviously. There is supposed to be a Passover lamb, so traditionally there would be a Passover lamb. And they would eat this to remember the way that God had passed over the houses of the Israelites because of the lamb's blood covering their doorposts. And in Exodus chapter 12, I'm just going to read a few verses from this. This is the instruction. It says, Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male, a year old, you shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt." And again, I already mentioned uh, the lamb is omitted from the gospel accounts. If you were to read chapter, uh, John chapter 1 verse 29, it says this, The next next day he saw, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the symbolism of ancient uh, Passover was there's this, this lamb that is killed, this innocent lamb, and his death is going to cover over the death that is deserved. (laughs) 
the judgment that is coming. And Jesus says in, in the Gospels, we know that, that Jesus is that blood. He is that lamb. And if you are in Christ, you are covered by the blood, and then therefore uh, uh, you are spared uh, the judgment of death. And the meal concludes after, after the main course is eaten. There's a few final things that are remaining. This brings us to the third cup. So if you don't have any juice in your cup, pour a little bit more in. Again, we have four cups. So this is the third of four. We need to tell Martin next week to have, uh, during communion, uh, like four times as many cups because we're just going to get used to it, right? <clears throat> so once you have that cup, we're going to pronounce the, and pray the blessing and the blessing again. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 26, verse 27 and 28 says, And he took a cup... And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Again, the blood that is represented in this cup was representative of that, that lamb. And he says, This is my blood. And again, in a few hours, they're going to see the broken and bloody body of Jesus and be reminded, Oh, this is actually what it means for Jesus to die. This is one of my favorite parts, is after the third cup was drunk and refilled, so refill it really quickly because we're going we're gonna to end uh, with the fourth cup in a few minutes. After the third cup was drank, the fourth cup would be filled, and then they would, uh, there was this thing called the cup of Elijah. And so they'd have a separate cup called the cup of Elijah. And uh, it's traditionally believed that they, if they had like a door, that they would put the cup right by the door and they would crack the door open just a little bit. The cup of Elijah. This is kind of a weird uh, uh, little Old Testament uh, history for you. But in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, in chapter 4, verse 5, it says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So the ancient Israelites... For 400 years from the close of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, we're waiting for God to act on behalf of his people in bringing them this new kind of exodus. But before God did that, Elijah had to come. You can read about Elijah and kings. And so they had poured this cup, hoping that tonight would be the night when God would visit his people. But before he did that, Elijah had to come. Jesus talks a lot about how John the Baptist is Elijah. Of course, not literally Elijah, but the ministry of Elijah. And so that's what they would do, hoping that uh, God would act on behalf of his people. This would bring us to kind of the conclusion, which is the second singing of uh, the Hallel or the Psalms from Psalms 115 and 18. We're going to just do this. It's a short one from Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. For great is his steadfast love towards us. All right, so if you want to take that fourth cup, and we're going to uh, pronounce the blessing. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 30, it says this, And when they had sung a hymn, or a psalm, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And the rest of the story is that uh, Jesus is eventually going to get betrayed by Judas. 
He's going to be arrested. He's going to be put on trial. And eventually, he's going to be led to a cross where he's going to be crucified, where his body is going to be broken and his blood is going to be shed out. And this meal is preparing the followers of Jesus to understand the significance of what is taking place. And it should be the same for us. 2,000 years later, we're looking back, just like ancient Israel during the time of Jesus looked back over a thousand years to remember the significance of the event of the Exodus because that was who they were. They were once slaves who God had redeemed from slavery to bring them into this new place where they were now going to live as a community of God's people. Through the slain lamb, God rescued his people from slavery to Pharaoh. But in this new exodus that Jesus accomplished on the cross, through the, the blood of the lamb Jesus, God rescues the world. He rescued you and he rescued me. Not from literal physical slavery, but actually a much more severe slavery. Slavery to sin and death. That is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He paid the price. His blood was poured out, and if you are hidden in Christ, you have access to this life that is offered. And this is why every single week we have communion up here. We have the uh, juice and the bread. It's to remind us of what Jesus did for us. It's to ground ourselves and anchor ourselves in the reality of that. Because as we think about the new year and we plan and we prepare for all the things we hope to accomplish or do things differently, we may forget about the reality that we are a redeemed people because sometimes uh, not all of our lives are good, right? We have bad things that happen to us and, and we make decisions that, that hurt us or those around us. And my encouragement for us is as we think about this new year, to think about it in the lens of who you are as someone who has, as, is a redeemed person by the blood of the Lamb. That's your identity. And what God has done for you in that he redeemed you from slavery to give you newness of life, and that should change everything. That should not just change the way that we, uh, we live our lives in our homes, but it should change everything about the way that we talk and the way that we act the way we behave, the plans and the purposes that we have for our life should always be thought of in the filter of the kingdom of God and the reality that we are a redeemed people. And I want to end before we, uh, Caleb comes back up and leads us in a few closing songs for worship from reading from Romans chapter 6, 5 through 11. And it says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God, so that you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in God in Christ Jesus.
So Caleb's going to lead us in a few songs, just celebrating, remembering who God is and what he has done for us. And my encouragement for, for us during these last few minutes that we're together is to just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. To remember your identity. As Paul said, you are now dead to sin. And you are alive in Christ Jesus. That's the truth of the reality that we have as the people of God. That we were once enslaved to sin. Where our life was bitter and harsh because of the effects of sin in our lives. But we no longer are slaves to sin because of what Jesus has done for us. And that reality should change everything. So again, encourage us as a community that as we think about this new year to remember what Jesus did for us and to allow that to change our beliefs and our behaviors as we enter into this new year. I'm just going to pray for us. God, we're just so thankful for that truth. And it's really easy to talk about. It's a, it's a whole other thing to live out, I think, in our daily lives, God. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will empower us as your people, a community that follows you, Jesus, to strengthen us and give us the ability to walk out in the truth, God, that that would be our identity, that we would be anchored in the reality of what you've done for us, Jesus, on the cross. God, in delivering us from slavery to sin and bringing us into this newness of life. Jesus, we want to be people that uh, don't just think about it and don't just talk about it, but actually live it out, God, because we know that there's a community of people around us in our, in our work environment, in our families, in our friends, God, that need this same freedom. We see so many people in our lives that are still enslaved and still have bitterness and harshness because of the sin that they're enslaved to, God. And we know that your desire for people is to come to freedom in you, Jesus. So just pray, uh, yeah, that you would be glorified and that you would be honored in this community here, Jesus, and that we would live this year in pursuit of you, God, in pursuit of your kingdom and your righteousness, God, and know that all things will be added unto us if that's our course and our direction. Lord, help us not forget. God, help us to remember, remind us, Lord, of who we are in you. We just praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.